Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, we're going to a rumble where military might will stumble, the characters definitely don't mumble, and allegiances may crumble. That's right, we're talking Mobile Suit Gundam 08th MS Team. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Killingsworth. <laughs> I was I don't even know what 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 I'm, <laughs> what's I'm happening so taken aback by what just happened oh no hello and Joel Knuckles why is this happening to oh, me God, I, I do not like that <laughs> I don't like that at all got them both <laughs> you see if I change the order it only throws one of you off because the other one knows what's coming if I do that it just ruins both of you I, perfect I feel ruined yeah <laughs> Already oh, well, man. as we brought up before a brief interlude. Wait, there. that's live. We're not retaking that. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Okay, I, we we are on this train. We're the rest of this episode is going to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> a little punch drunk. Let's go. So, as I mentioned before, before that brief interlude, we are talking Mobile Suit Gundam 08th MS Team, our first anime review. Our first anime review. Get hype! And and just for the record, my name is Joel Killingsworth. So yeah. Joel is super offended. <laughs> He's not one to be brought into your family. No, but like, okay, so I <laughs> I am just perusing the internet and I find, oh, spoilers intended podcast. They're a media <laughs> review. Oh, I really liked 08th MS team. I'm going to listen to that episode and see what they have to say to see if their interests align with mine. Who? Okay, so we've got Why are they laughing Ford, at the names? and we've got Andrew Killingsworth and we've got Joel Knuckles. That's... That sounds like a nice bunch of guys. <laughs> Fine. Andrew Knuckles. Hello Joel there. Killingsworth. Hi. There we go. Uh, there. You satisfied now? You happy? I, you, feel, I am, you feel restored? I am less destroyed. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I mean, destruction is a great theme for this episode there because we, we are talking war. And to kick that off, before we go too far down the anime rabbit hole, we're going to take a look at some war movies and we each kind of went in and selected from some different eras maybe covering some different wars mm -hmm. and i think we're gonna go from uh, past to present okay cool so i I'm get to go last send this off to joel okay so uh, um, yeah unless yeah yeah you actually know what what age yours is from so yeah never mind well i know when his movie was released and mine was released after it so i'm relying on the fact that his movie wasn't released about a future war <laughs> it was not. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's I'm, see? I'm going out. with the World War II classic released in 1961, The Guns of Navarone. Star Great film. It, this is based on Alistair MacLean's novel of the same uh, title, and it stars David Niven and Gregory Peck, uh, among many other stars, just the two most notable names. Uh, Gregory Peck was the, the main... Uh, character in um, uh, Killing a Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this follows the story of a, a group of saboteurs that have been collected uh, across the, the allies uh, in World War II to go on a mission to destroy two artillery emplacements that the Germans have 
on the island of Navarone at the the mouth of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are a there are troops that are stranded on an island in the Mediterranean that the Allied forces are trying to get ships in to evacuate them, but they have not been able to get past get their ships past these guns. Mm-hmm. And the Germans are launching an offensive that are going to come to this island and wipe these people out. And so we have a very short mm-hmm. time, time in which we can you know, do something about these guns, get the evacuation ships into the Mediterranean, get everyone out and get away. Mm-hmm. And so the story is about the individuals that are selected to go on this mission behind enemy lines and destroy these gun emplacements by a specific time so that the allied ships can make their way into the meds safely. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's got <clears throat> a lot of kind of heist film tropes along with mm-hmm. it because it's a very carefully selected team of we have a demolitions expert we have a mountain climbing expert we've got someone who's good with knives we've got someone who's really good with guns and we got you know <laughs> all all of this kind of stuff where everybody brings their own skill and has their own yeah their own backstory and stuff and the way that they connect to the caper as it were mm-hmm. uh, but it also is very definitely a war movie where you have the mission and you have the very real stakes of well Anytime we run into the the <laughs> the other side, there's going to be bullets flying, so somebody's probably going to die. So, yep, um, it's really really good. the The runtime is a little on the long side; it's like two hours and thirty eight minutes uh, runtime for, for a 1960s film. That's actually pretty long, it's really yeah. long. Yeah, and um, but I I would say that if you enjoy uh, World War II war movies, this is definitely one to check out if you haven't. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and that's. That's a good sell to me because I, I, prior to this, I had never heard of this movie actually, mm-hmm. which is kind of a little surprising. I, that actually is pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah. and and you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna do war. I'm like, well, I'm gonna know it. Oh, I don't what? Yeah, because <laughs> I um, it's been a long time since I've seen the film. Probably since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still remember it being really good. And, and I think the reason I watched it was because it had Gregory Peck in it. Yeah, and because uh, his performance in *The Killer Mike Murphy* was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm assuming that he he brings those chops over. He does from uh, from from that into this film. Yeah. So his you know? his character in this film is not supposed to be the leader of the group, but very early on, the leader gets incapacitated by being wounded. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and guess what? <laughs> he has to lead this group, but he's got interpersonal problems with several of the members. Always. And, and so just yeah. you know that that kind of shenanigans ensue yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) shenanigans huh okay well speaking of shenanigans for my offering i have a platoon Ooh, yeah so this is i haven't heard that name in a long time right so this is one of those that i feel like because it is it's vietnam Mm -hmm. and it gets lumped in the same category as full metal jacket a lot and is somewhat overshadowed by it however it is a really great movie and we're just going to start out. I'm going to run down uh, some some cast members here. So we've got Charlie Sheen. We've got Tom Berenger. We have Willem Dafoe. We have Forrest Whitaker. And in, oh, also John McGinley, who I don't know if y'all recognize that or not. Mm-hmm. He's the the mean doctor in Scrubs. Oh, uh, I've yeah, never yeah. seen Scrubs, so I have but, no idea. But you have some idea. The the gift, no, 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 no. Oh, no. is he the, the older guy? He's um, not old. tall. Yeah, he is kind of tall. Yeah. Uh, and then also in a role minor enough that I don't remember who he actually is in the movie, Johnny Depp. 
Oh, so, so this was a this was a non comedic. I've never seen this uh, film, but I, I have heard of it. It is Full Metal Jacket oh, uh, again, approximation. Right, it is not comedic at all. It is R rated. Uh, came out in 1986. I just asked because Charlie Sheen's in it. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Also, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Usually there's, you know, comedy elements. Uh, but no, this is very much so. I'm actually going to cheat and just grab like a plot summary out of IMDb mm-hmm. just because I think that this is kind of a, a, a simple and good uh, explanation. Yeah. Summary. Yeah, it's almost like these people do it professionally or something. (laughs) Uh, So Chris Taylor, Charlie Sheen's character, uh, a neophyte recruit in Vietnam. He drops out of college to sign up for war. So Mm -hmm. this is early in the Vietnam War or relatively early. Actually, I shouldn't even say it's it's decently early. So it's enough that there are still people who want to go. Late 60s. Yeah, 67 is when it's set. Finds himself caught in a battle of wills between two sergeants. So he's in this platoon. They have two sergeants who are kind of the the leader and co-leader or whatnot. And basically one is good and one is not good. Uh, so there's, there's this conflict between the two leaders of, well, one of them believes they need to have better outreach with the villagers and the locals. And the other one believes the villagers and the locals are responsible for hiding the VC yeah, insurgents. And, and the cause of all of their troubles. Yeah. And so this tension, because initially uh, Charlie's character is he's new and he is super disrespected because he has no combat experience, no real combat experience. He doesn't know how to fight. You know, they're, they're doing these uh, patrols and stuff in the jungle where you never know what's going to pop up where and, you know, disorient, you get disoriented really easy, easily. And everyone needs to trust each other to come out of these, you know, honestly terrible fighting situations Mm -hmm. well this breaks down once the bad sergeant crosses a line and all of a sudden you have the platoon kind of splintering and no one can really trust each other and suddenly it's not just hey we're out on patrol because it's a military you're sent on patrol and it becomes this question of well not do i trust the bush over here but do i trust the guy in front of me or behind me and the effect that has on Mm -hmm. uh, charlie sheen's character over time and well how do you choose what camp or how do you like handle these, you know, political essentially pressures and stuff. Yeah. And how does that reflect on your life? Cause you're here. This, this is, you signed up, you know, you're committed. You could very easily die from all kinds of different bullets. Mm-hmm. So it's, they it don't is, have to be enemy bullets. No, not at all. And it, it can completely be an accident, but it's, it's a pretty stressful, pretty, you know, kind of psychological thing going on. Cause again, any kind of combat in a scenario like Vietnam where it's the jungle and, you know, any, any bush, any tree could be a trap, could have a, a sniper, et cetera. There's already that heightened level of stress. But mm-hmm. then when you, you move into the whole realm of, well, do I even trust the people out here with me? It, it ramps up a lot. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I'll leave it at that and pass it off to Andrew. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm always, I'm always down to, uh, to watch a, um, a good war film. Um, and that, I mean, I'm not a big Charlie Sheen fan, but I'm a fan. I'm definitely a big fan of William Defoe. Yeah. Well, I knew looking at the cast because I, I I was like, okay, I know Charlie Sheen, I know Defoe. I was mm-hmm. like, well, I know one of those is probably not everyone's selling point, and the other one, if it isn't your selling point, it should be. Yeah. I mean, William <laughs> Defoe's a fantastic, He's a phenomenal actor. actor. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I am going all the way to modern, and then all the way back. Yes. Uh, to uh, 1917, that came out uh, ni- 2019. So this the year nineteen seventeen yeah the the year and the name of the movie yep (laughs) so nineteen seventeen is the film 
it takes place during World War One, and uh, it basically follows two uh, privates. I believe I actually don't recall their I rank. I, I can't remember. If, I, I'm pretty sure they say their rank, but I can't remember. So two characters. They are um, they are low on the totem pole. Yes, yeah, they are. They are not um, any kind of commanding officer, mm-hmm. and uh, they are given the task to basically go over into uh, essentially German territory and deliver a message to um, one of their their forward um, uh, pr- uh, battalions. Man, you keep you keep throwing this to me. I think it's considered a forward. It's it's either a forward regiment, forward battalion, yeah. but it is is the the tip of the spear for an upcoming planned invasion. Uh, yeah, based off offensive. of intelligence, basically. Uh, and and essentially, the intelligence was wrong, and the Germans are kind of pulling back to create a feint so they can crush this this forward spear mm-hmm. for the uh, for the British army. So you are following these these two characters uh, through basically no man's land into um, an abandoned. A section of of German trenches, and then through basically their artillery line into kind of the countryside to where they are um, basically attempting trying to reach their their front line uh, kind of brigade and and get deliver the and, message. and deliver the message to say hey don't go on this offensive right right this is a trap yeah and it's it's one of those interesting things because most of the time that World War One is presented to you it is straight up just trench on trench and mm-hmm. they could be straight lines drawn by a ruler. And this movie is much more aware of the fact that the the trenches kind of moved in and out. They kind of, you know, you have little bulges and they move with the contour of the land. And they're just spaces where you could just be and there's not just trenches, but over that hill is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it follows these two characters and the the film is shot like a single shot, uh, meaning or a single take. Mm-hmm. So essentially what that means is... Um, there are no visible cuts in the cinematography as it is happening. This is directed by Sam Mendes. And the from from the beginning beginning shot of the opening sequence all the way to the end of the film with the climactic um, uh, kind of experience of him, you know, kind of running down this front line, there is uh, essentially no no visible cuts. Now you can if you if you have a keen eye, you can catch some of these cuts here and there. But the uh, the way that it is shot creates this really high level of intensity that the tension never really goes away mm-hmm. that a traditional film would do. Because a lot of times whenever there's a very intense emotional scene, then there's a jump cut to something that is substantially less intense and emotional to help you kind of relieve that pressure to where whenever you go back to that scene or those characters that something bad just happened then you you have a little bit more time to to kind of uh, recollect your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Where this does not do that and it it basically just takes you and it, it like it holds you and stares at you in the face for like 2 hours. Yeah. And it says I'm not going to let you go until <laughs> I let you go. Yeah. Yeah, and and just the sheer effort and I mean honestly just masterwork that they did to make this be quote unquote, a one shot where they're doing a scene where they're going, you know, through a bunch of mud down into a crater hole. It's full of water, a, you know, waiting, kind of half swimming through that and then back up the other side. And it's this broad daylight. The camera sticks with them the whole way. And in the behind the scenes, it's, you know, one dude is carrying the camera and he attaches it to the dolly as it's going by. And then they hand it off to the boom. And then it goes, you know, they have bits where they're, they're, 
carrying it by hand and they clip it to the boom as the truck is moving at a walking pace next to them and the truck lifts, the boom goes up and it comes over and it comes down and another guy accepts the camera from the truck and they keep going. Yeah. Well, and, it's and, incredible. And then they, they take that camera from the boom and then they hop onto the back of a, um, of like a motorcycle kind of dirt bike thing so they can follow the character as he's running through from, uh, from oncoming enemy fire. And then they, they take that and they take it off and they, they follow him into like the, you know, like these kind of ruins of, mm-hmm. of a town. It is, fantastic cinematography but Mm -hmm. honestly like you don't even like i mean the cinematography makes it what it is but then it also like the the actual story itself is still very compelling Mm -hmm. and the actors themselves just do such a good job at uh, essentially just being a a two-man show yeah and it's it's very much so it's really impressive how well they can kick because I mean uh, the camera's just on them for minutes and minutes and minutes at a time. This isn't a traditional film setting where you know action, cut, you know line, yep. cut. Like you got to know what you're going to say. You got to know how where, to react. Where, where you you're to going be. to be, how fast you need to move. Like yeah. oh man, it is, it is a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, um, it it is very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very intense. Just just straight <laughs> up, um, you will if. If war movies are are not your thing, this is probably not going to be your movie. It's going to be a hard watch. If if you like war movies, if you really like the the concept of, you know, just kind of appreciating the effort that they went through this, it's definitely a watch once. Like even for me, it's kind of almost like a that's a hard sell for me to rewatch it, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm really glad I watched it mm-hmm. the one time. Yeah, like we we watched it in um uh, in IMAX and then we we bought the the Blu-ray and we watched it again and then after that I'm like I think I'm good for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is not a hey, we're hanging out on Friday night, just throw it in. And no, nope, that's not how this movie yeah, works. No, yeah, no, not one of those kind of films. Okay. All right. So moving forward yeah. to the uh actual topic of this episode, Mobile Suit Gundam, O eighth MS team. I'm having so much fun saying the whole title. <laughs> well, it has to be the whole again. title because if someone wants to go and look up O eighth MS team, it will pop up, but um it, it you have to look you, a little you have to look a little because Mobile Suit Gundam is technically the 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 first the, the first, first three words of yeah. the title. Yeah. So if if you're looking on on mobile, then those are going to be the only words you yeah, see. Yeah, all you get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're looking through a, a library of Gundam, they're basically all Mobile Suit Gundam yeah. and then something. It's like, wait, are, are these the same show? What's happening? <laughs> they, they don't, kind they don't of? even look like that. Has wings. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Joel, uh, you want to give us a little synopsis? Okay, I'm so interested. I'm very intrigued. So yes. a little synopsis. So we have set. We come into the show with the setup that they're. Uh, is a war between a faction called the Federation and a faction called the Zeons. And our uh, heroes that we are introduced to early on are on the Federation side. Mm. And they are on a transport ship headed to Earth to join the war. And our main character is a young officer who is about to be assigned to lead a uh, a. A Pl- small team platoon. <clears throat> well, no, definitely not. It's, this it's is just a team. It's team, a team. It's, yeah. it's it's got five six people in it. Uh, of and they're they're set in kind of a a a jungle terrain area of Earth. It's not specific, explicitly defined where this is. It's Southeast Asia. Exactly. Just, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it never really. They don't just say "Welcome to Laos" or Cambodia right, yeah, or right. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so over the course of uh, the next 
days and weeks, they they engage in uh, combat missions. They deal with local uh, rebels who are not really on anybody's side. They just want the people who are fighting to not be in their villages anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they they deal with the enemy, and they're right right from the start. There is a the the main kind of thrust of the show is introduced where uh, even before they make it to Earth, he our our main character Shiro um in engages in a heroic act to to save a stranded Gundam pilot and kind of interacts with an enemy but they both end up disabled and kind of sort of stranded in space mm-hmm. and the theme of well we're not we're not there, there's no objective to be fighting over at the moment and so we really just need to cooperate so we both don't just die out here and so that kind of theme gets expressed early and then gets carried through the remainder of the show and uh jungle combat and other hijinks ensue yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah. pretty close <laughs> yeah I, I i almost i i almost feel like i'm obligated to point out the difference between a mobile suit <laughs> versus a gundam but i just don't i don't know if i can be that well pedantic. in the sh- in the show so they did not differentiate yeah, so um so basically, just a, a quick um, history lesson sure. um, <laughs> that you didn't get. So, so for anyone listening at home, actually, Joel, hold on. I'm going to wait until we get into spoiler stuff because I do have to say kind of specifics. Okay, and that that's totally fine. We can break that. It's not really relevant, I think. But, yeah. But just for everyone listening, I am going to point out. So for Joel, this is a first introduction to I think all any of Gundam. Yes. Okay. Uh, Andrew, seasoned anime fan, <laughs> loves Gundam. This isn't maybe his. Top it's not my. Choice. It's not my top. It's it's within the top five, probably top three. Uh, Zeta Gundam's my my all time right. favorite. Not Double Zeta. Just don't that out. don't bring up Double. We don't talk about Double <laughs> Zeta. Uh, and then for me, this is the, this the is quintessential peak Gundam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just just so we get kind of a level because I think we did this way back for the Cowboy Bebop, and it was actually the exact same arrangement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I've, I've watched a lot of anime. That's, that's kind of like my main right. media that I watch. So I have a lot of exposure to it Yeah, where, um, I know you guys have varying, uh, much smaller levels of, of anime exposure where Joel actually probably has watched more than Steven at this point. Really? I would actually be really impressed if that were true. I'm pretty sure he has. I'd be really impressed if that were true, actually. Okay, anyways. (laughs) Anyways, that is not relevant to what we're doing here, which is we're going to discuss a couple little scores. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's time for the scores. He gave a synopsis. He did give us a synopsis. I synopsisized. Stick to the format, people. (laughs) Stick to the plan. So, uh, looking at the technical review score, which is an average across our four pillars of review being spectacle performance score and plot mm-hmm. kind of average we each gave each of those a score and just averaged it all right up and we came to an 8.1 out of 10 for the show so pretty solid very very solid technical review score mm-hmm. yep uh it is a uh a very this is definitely one of those um entry point shows for mm-hmm. for people that one want to get into gundam but then also kind of want to get into anime as well mm-hmm. there is a lot of good entry points with this one because the quality of animation is very high. The it, it's relatively episodic in sense, so you can kind of pick up an episode and and you don't need too much context. Where if you you know like 
it's serious. It's like a half serialized because more anthology, I guess, is a better, better explanation. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think back through, and the the series itself is short enough at being eleven asterisk twelve episodes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that if you start cutting full episodes, I think you start missing pieces of the story. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I I actually don't think that you can just drop in and okay. and pick it up like. It is compact enough that you can drop into this without having started with the original Gundam. Yes, you, you definitely don't have to have any prior knowledge of the Gundam universe as a whole. Yeah, there's going there's going to be some terms that are just kind of techno babble or just generic. Oh, that's just a faction that may not have the same meaning. Yeah, per se, but to understand what's actually just going on and the conflicts involved, you, you don't need any foreknowledge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh. So for me, I mean, this is one of, I, I, it's not one of the only, we actually discussed this earlier, but it's one of the few uh, Gundam series that one, the characters are aged up a little bit, mm-hmm. which I think makes a huge difference for, especially someone my age watching these yeah. shows. Uh, so I can definitely point to that as something that I would appreciate. And it plays through in a lot of the the themes and the plot points. And then also, uh, it it feels very military. I mean, we we just kind of talked, you know, war movies, right? Get into this, and I brought up platoon, you know, mm-hmm. Vietnam, and and this is this is Gundam Vietnam, and that that is a common uh, comparison mm-hmm. because you have those same themes of well, you just don't know where the enemy is. Yeah, it's so hard in in space. You know, they're flying around, they have thrust trails, and well, you know, that's a really big ship. They must be right there in in the jungle because these these robots are big. They're not that big that they just tower over trees and mm-hmm. stuff so it's still possible to to hide and surprise and you have you get so much more of that tension mm-hmm. going going back to 1917 here and kind of the fear and like you know they have night fights and these kind of things and i think that really really ramps up the the feel and how uh realistic it feels and how how concerning the stakes can be i guess yeah uh and sorry joe you can you can go Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, was, I was just, yep. But, no, I'm so just vibing over here. <laughs> the, the show has always been kind of considered one of the more realistic approaches approaches to the Gundam universe. Yeah. Where if you're familiar with something like Gundam Wing, where um, a lot of the, a lot of like the technology and the way that they approach fights and everything is, is much more on a larger scale where, you know, one suit is taking on 20 guys mm-hmm. at, or 20 other mobile suits at the same time where this is a, a considerably smaller scale to where there's maybe only one suit, possibly two that they're fighting at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it, it really gives you the sense of uh, one, how complicated the machines are, but then also how dangerous just one unit can possibly be compared mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, a platoon of, of or a, a team of smaller um, people that may or may not be experienced enough to actually like, have like fight effectively. Yeah. And I think in addition to the jungle combat, really giving a good backdrop to the action because there's so much cover everywhere that it's really easy to get snuck up on. Mm -hmm. But you, you also have a really great cast of characters to play around with in that situation because you've got kind of the quintessential bright eyed a little naive young Mm -hmm. officer. I I just have to interject for a second. Shiro Amada is every anime protagonist ever. 
He's not though. He has a character arc. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's the the bright eyed ideal. He's maybe not as good as as he could be. But the thing but, is, he's actually he's competent, driven. right? He's, like, not, he's, he's reasonably, yeah. but but he's not necessarily like the best of the best recognized name. Sure. He's just a person. <laughs> but anyways, but anyway, but you've got that playing off with the the older more experienced ncos that are used to going through commanders right mm-hmm. they'll they'll come in they'll get burned out because this is a terrible place and they'll they'll get killed or they'll get injured and they'll get shipped, shipped out off to Looney and then we'll just get the next one you know <laughs> yeah. and so you've got that really fun dichotomy of characters to work with while you have character growth and then you know different story arcs for the different characters going through so it's a really enjoyable set of characters it's a really enjoyable setting uh it gives kind of the 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 mecha genre a really great kind of grit and grounding mm-hmm. um so yeah it is 2022 and i am watching a darker <laughs> <grittier>. <laughs> your god uh, but we also have a, another score mm-hmm. that we use separate from the technical review and that is our entertainment value right because uh, the it is conceivable you know i'm going through this Every time we do this, I know it is one con- day it is, it is conceivable that these scores be very different, right? You have something that maybe <laughs> is not that great from a technical perspective, but you know what? You just really love it. And, yeah. and, and it is very entertaining. And so, uh, or, or the reverse can be true. And so these values do not have to be the same in this case. They are, <laughs> uh, we gave the technical review an 8.1 and we're giving the entertainment score an eight. So, so it, it, it slips Ever so slightly, but it's basically the exact same. Yeah. One day we are going to split these scores. We're gonna it, we're gonna have it to will happen. But, well, but you you know you have to have a true entertainment level score because like even 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 then like if I don't enjoy something but you enjoy something mm-hmm. a lot like that is ha- like you even out that score where yeah. like sometimes theme just isn't like or the setting just isn't your thing. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't hit and, right. And or, something something that does play into this, uh, you know, if if you are because we're coming up on the intermission soon. If if you're not going to hang around, the things that you might want to know going into, well, do I want to do I want to watch this, mm-hmm. right? Uh some things to consider are the fact that it it is um has a, a an MA mature TV rating. Yeah, this is this is a mature show. Yeah, you, there, you need to be aware. There there there's lots of cursing and there's lots of violence and there's there's some nudity involved. Mm-hmm. Um so definitely things to to be aware of. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you threw that in because if you didn't, I was going to. Because yeah. that any time that I tell someone you should watch this, here are some caveats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, like it, it was made in uh, 1996, and uh, there 90, 95, 90. Well, no, I mean it was. Uh, That's when, so it that when it started. That is when it started. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get well, into we'll that. We'll get into that. Uh, but uh, there are definitely some some anime tropes that do exist in this. Um, the show that you you know you do need to be well well aware of there mm-hmm. you know there's definitely some nudity here and there mm-hmm. there are uh, you know a, a decent amount of violence not a lot of blood but um a lot of hinted violence yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, not really a show you should watch with your kids unless yeah. they are mature enough to understand what they are watching yeah as someone with kids this is not someone something <laughs> someone with kids. young kids, you know, <laughs> young kids yeah. there you go <laughs> Uh, oh, but look out. The Zeke's laid a trap, and they're going to hit us with spoilers. On your way back to base, if you liked what you heard, check out our other content at spoilersintendedpodcast.com. On the other hand, if you want to face the spoilers ahead by our side, don't worry. 
we're all making it back alive, and that's an order. everyone welcome back hope you enjoyed a little bit of a break a little intermission and now we are ready set and go to dive right on into our first pillar of review and that is going to be spectacle mm -hmm. so for this being a, a anime an animated show the animation i said that word a lot in a row front and center <laughs> is going to factor into the score a lot uh, but for a general category this is kind of the things that are the wow moments, you know, how how emotion, how much of an emotional reaction you're going to have to what's going on on screen, these kinds of things. Yeah, how like do do the action scenes track well? Do they, you know, yeah. like do they do they hit you whenever you know like something you know something gets blown up or you know you feel like you were there? The, yeah, the cinematography works, which again. It's animation, but that is still a valid thing because if you don't set the the invisible camera properly in animation, you're going to confuse the living daylights out of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is a very important consideration. So I'm curious as to how to start this one off, actually. I want to hear what Joel says. We want to hear what okay. Joel okay, yeah, Well, sure. I'm going to start off fairly high. I gave it an eight out okay. of ten. Um, I thought that the... The animation style, which is which is perhaps just a little dated. I mean, it's back in the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, really holds up really well, actually, mm -hmm. and uh, it's very easy to follow the 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 characters and and through their dialogue and stuff like that through the animation. The fight scenes were really interesting. The visual design of the the mech suits was really fun, mm -hmm. um, and it it was fun to watch them move around, particularly in the jungle environment, like we talked about before the intermission. It just made well, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Because yeah. the jungle environment made everything really cool from a tactical perspective, but on the flip side, you have everybody on at least for the first like two thirds of the show, everybody on one side is wearing is, is piloting is piloting, piloting the same units. type of mech so they all look identical uh -huh. and then everybody on the other side is piloting the same type of mech so they all look identical yeah so whenever you have a 2v2 or a 3v2 or whatever you know whenever you kind of mix it up at the squad level and the characters are like oh watch out and then you swap to one green mech hitting one white mech and you're like I don't know who anybody is <laughs> because they're because they're not unique. Because if you look at character designs, those are all really good. They pass silhouette tests. Mm -hmm. You know immediately who anybody is once you see them. But the mechs don't have that. Yeah, they they actually this is, uh, again, one of the I don't want to call it rare, but you have an, a, a, a phenomenon in Gundam where the selling point is the hero mech. So it stands out. So you, mm -hmm. you always know who the main yeah. character is. Uh, but. And then you have the grunts and they all look the same and that's okay because they're all about to die anyways. Yeah. <laughs> this one, it has that more military feel because everyone is, it's uniform, right? And like, and like that's realistic. It's just hard to, to tell the extent, story. But it is really hard yeah. to tell. And so I would have appreciated some more, I don't know, decal changes so, on them. They, so they, they do actually have uh, numbers on the really shoulder. Small. You're not going to catch it's it in really the middle small. of action. Well, and, and that just, that also means that, or that, that doesn't mean that they're going to animate those specific decals every single right, time yeah, exactly. it's on the screen. So there actually is um, a very small, um, 
uh, like differentiator, but it's not something that you would ever notice. Um, it's something that people that build the models would notice. Sure. Um, is basically the horns um, well, uh, did, will, will have different colors. I did really on. like the fact that after Karen's, like Karen gets ambushed at the lake at the mm-hmm. at the beginning of the climax, yeah. right? And her <laughs> her the her head and the sensor center and the in the thing gets mm-hmm. punched off, right? And then she after that they they do a slap job and repair her suit, and it's just a sensor package head from a completely different model of, of mobile suit. And that, that was really cool. I like and, that. Well, and then they, they poke fun at it of like, Hey, GM head come over here. And yeah. she's like, okay, okay. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the one other piece that I really, really loved was the inclusion of a sensor truck as just oh, a yeah. part of the team. It's yep. such a good addition Be- because there's, there's just no visibility. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they have to have the support unit, to be able to coordinate their actions and actually get any intelligence on where the enemy is. And the primary sensor that they use is actually drilling a rod into the earth and measuring vibrations. Mm -hmm. And so they have kind of a almost submarine like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. listening station, which is just a lot of fun. Yeah. Now they, they do so much with the hover truck that you do not get in basically any nothing other else. Gundam ever. Mm. Nothing is going to feel that way. And it's, it is one of the more iconic and differentiating parts of it. And they do such a good job of building tension with it where, you know, your Elidor is focused on his headset and he's trying, trying to, to figure call. out the elevator. It's just so, oh, yeah, he's like, I've heard this sound before, <laughs> uh, but, but that element, especially because like you said, most of the fighting is jungle based and, there is no, I mean, they, the first mission is at night. Like yeah. there's just no visibility really. Yeah. Uh, so oh, I, oh, I, I just got to interject one more thing. This is it. totally minor and really didn't affect my score whatsoever. It just really <laughs> made me laugh. And that was when they were running through the final boot up check for the Opsilus in the, the climactic yeah. d- double episodes. And there was a screen with a bunch of different subsystems oh, yes. on there. And, <laughs> DirectX SDK made the list. <laughs> yeah, and oh no. I loved it so much. There are, there are several <laughs> things in there where it's like, oh, I know that program. <laughs> it's like in the far future where we have giant battle mechs, we're still using DirectX. I mean, it's <laughs> only version four. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they had to uh, they had to figure out how to boot the the DVD drive for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. You want to go next? You want? Um. You can go. Okay. So for spectacle, I gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, similar to what you said, the, the animation is good. It's, it is a little dated. I mean, it's from the mid nineties and it was not maybe the most, uh, impressively budgeted TV show. It um, was not, it was not, it wasn't a, so it was not original mobile suit Gundam levels of budget where they were pro where they just never had money. Yeah. Well, so this actually wasn't, um, a, a TV broadcast, right? This was an OVA, which is called original video animation. And what that means is essentially it is um, uh, DVDs at the time um, are released with one or two episodes on them. And then they basically release the series Mm -hmm. over the course of uh, a year Mm -hmm. or just so they can basically spend the time to animate everything to the quality that they want want to to instead of a broadcast schedule where it's like you have 12 weeks, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So there is there is more to work with, but it is also not like a crushingly high budget no. movie. I mean, there, there's still some off model shots. There, there, there. there are there are a few transition shots and stuff where you're like, oh yeah, that's where they save money uh, <laughs> or save time. 
beyond that, you know, I mean, there are some highlights of animation. One of my personal favorite things in basically any anime, and especially I think older anime, when you get away from the the CGI mm-hmm. era, is whenever they do lasers, especially the Opsilus laser and the way it tracks. Oh yeah, I that that type of animation because that pops up in a lot of other stuff, especially as you again you back up the the time frame looks so good and it just it may just be a combination of like formative and nostalgia meeting where to me it's just instantly recognizable as oh that's a laser that that is a problematic weapon mm-hmm. as a yeah. beam well and um the the cool part is whenever whenever it kind of draws the line in the in the sand essentially mm-hmm. um to you know Ina's saying hey don't cross this line mm-hmm. you know otherwise you're going to die uh, it's really cool seeing they actually put in essentially the refresh rate of the of the laser based on like, like each the of the, each of the little um like kind of like dust clouds that kind of pop up as it's kind of moving across the ground yeah where it's they they thought about instead of just making just kind of like a line of smoke essentially or dust they they actually thought about how often it would uh, basically like the energy would pulse to hit that and right. only reason i know that is just because I run lasers every day for cutting and the frequency is actually very important based on how I need to cut a certain material. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it does also have um, one of the most iconic individual fights in Gundam in it. Yeah, it's, it's probably up. It's definitely up there for me. Uh, it's probably I, within the top 10 for, it, for it makes general... a lot of li- if you look around just for the general mm. populace, it may or the general populace who is interested in anime and Gundam, <laughs> uh, it, it makes <laughs> narrowed that considerably. It makes a lot of lists, and there's a lot of people who are you know big fans. I also am obviously a big fan, just partly because of the stakes and how they're you well. Know, which, kind which, of plot. which fight? Uh, Norris. Norris. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Norris yeah. versus the team. Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> so, the team plus. So I feel like I have been deferred long enough. What is the difference between a mobile suit and a oh, okay, okay. Do you want me to go first and then you can correct me? You, want, you, want you, to you can go first and I'll okay. correct you, sure. So, <laughs> so mobile suits are basically any of the robots that you saw on screen. Yeah. Except for the Opsilus is technically a mobile armor, which is just larger scaled. Mm-hmm. So like Azaku, the, the enemy, the, yeah. the Zeon, is a mobile suit. The uh, GMs are mobile suits. The Gundams are mobile suits. Oh, Gundam is a specific it's a specific model. model. So and which is, ones are Gundams? It, well, what they are piloting. Okay, so this gets weird. <laughs> so the, the reason it's super pedantic. Yeah, I know. The reason it's mobile suit Gundam, right, is the original um, unit, the Gundam, is the prototype that basically helps swing this war. Mm. And what they are piloting are mass-produced models that aren't actually that mass-produced, but they're based off of a bunch of the improvements from the original Gundam. Mm-hmm. So they're as close to a Gundam as you get in the show. Okay. Yeah. But basically every – like so when Karen's head gets destroyed and they replace it with the new head, that is just a GM. That's just a, a general production mass-produced grunt unit which is why she's getting made fun of by everybody else because they're all piloting the high-tech newer mm-hmm. thing and it's it shows up a lot in that it lets the uh the pilots of the more enhanced suits kind of brute force their way where uh some of the lesser suits just kind of die mm-hmm. so it helps them in the sense that they're just 
stronger in general. And it also, in the context of the larger universe, makes more sense because you would see, oh, these improvements have really helped us. We should push this out to a larger yeah. band and actually make use of the fact that this gives us an advantage. So, yeah. So, one of the, uh, they, they kind of um, show this off a little bit in, I think, the second episode, whenever Sanders um, finally gets his hands on, on the new Gundam, basically, which is the RX 79. And uh, so uh, the first episode has him piloting a GM, which mm -hmm. is just, you know, general mass produced mm -hmm. kind of mobile suit. And he's going up against Ina, who's in a, a what they said is a modified Zaku. Yeah. So it's a it's a, a, a probably better response time, better armor, that kind of thing. And then he gets his hands on a Gundam and then he just like completely just decimates this Zaku. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, this is what this, this is like. The, this is the this, power of a Gundam. Yeah. And uh, so essentially like a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, More so than Zeon, I <laughs> uh, ba So basically the reason why Xeon were essentially winning the war um, and uh, in Mobile Suit Gundam, the, the actual Gundam kind of turned the tides was Xeon was actually the first, uh, the, basically the, the faction to actually make mobile suits. Mm -hmm. And they had that and the Federation didn't have, they only had tanks mm -hmm. essentially and just like air support. And so Xeon was um, far technologically superior and they basically made a big push to, to try and take over Earth and everything. And then within that time, there was just enough resistance for them to, for the Federation to um, basically catch up, catch up yeah. with yeah. the Gundam and, uh, and then start using that technology to mass produce their own suits to, uh, to basically try and hold them off. Mm -hmm. And basically the, the technology that the Gundam has was, was superior enough to just turn the tides enough until um, they could basically push them back off of Earth. Yeah, and the uh, the the mobile suits themselves, like everything, is a mobile suit is essentially. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then a Gundam is a is a specific unit, um, kind of like what um, because it's really it's the type of armor that's used, which is yeah. Gundanium alloys, okay. unobtainium, whatever whatever you want to call sure, it. Doesn't yeah. matter. But the the big visual indicator is generally speaking, the Gundams have the V fin on right. the forehead, right. which is kind of the because it's they are meant to imitate a samurai, mm -hmm. so that is kind of the the crest on the helmet, right? And that's that's your visual cue in any show, not not even just this one, but any of them. They all have it, and some of them have really fancy ones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, like yeah, if you if you watch like Gundam Unicorn, it's kind of one of those things where he uh, the the mobile suit doesn't look like a Gundam uh, until it basically transforms, and then like the the final uh, uh, piece de resistance is the the unicorn basically splits into the horns for the Gundam. <laughs> yeah. For the, the, yeah. The, and it's, it's a cool hero shot, but it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, back to, I, f I feel plot. educated. <laughs> <laughs> Joel's like, what did I do? <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? Uh, but yeah. And like I said, before we got sidetracked on what things are, but it has you know one of the most iconic fights mm -hmm. basically in all of Gundam. I mean, I, I can't point to many one-on-ones that live up. There are a couple really good other fights, but this is probably the most well animated and well choreographed mm -hmm. fight that also has a lot of stakes to it. Well, and it's it's literally Norris verse and he's you know using the environment, using what he has available to him yeah. to to. To, take to, advantage, yeah, to take and, advantage. And particularly this, the part of the fight where he has disabled Shiro's suit and mm -hmm. he's basically holding him up 
as a screen against the other two being like, all right, you're moved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, and, and, you know, he broadcasts, he's like, hey, the pilot's still alive. Yeah. Are you yeah. sure you want to do it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he knows just based on how they've already acted now, like they're not, they're not willing to just kill one of their own yeah. just to just to get to him. Well, I mean, also bonus, the, the thing he's holding in front of it probably has better armor than he does. So <laughs> good shield. Yeah, because the Easy 8 is a uh, is a, a prototype unit. It's an up armored. Yeah. Anyways, Andrew, you need to give us a score. Okay, so I gave Spectacle a 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, wow, <laughs> 8, 9, 10. Look at the figure. Counting up. Uh, so the uh, kind of uh kind of piggybacking off of uh, the shuddering mountain fight which is the uh, um mm. norris versus the team uh that is it's truly iconic and, and a great sequence however i like the um the fight in the desert more against uh, the absolus well the whole the whole desert episode when we go into it's, plot it's fantastic. is just it's the highlight of the show, really and truly, because um, you you uh, so you have these. Um, th- the thing that I love about this show is they thought about how the weapons affect things. Mm-hmm. So you know, whenever they go into kind of like the desert testing area, and Karen kind of goes down and she taps the um, basically the score marks in the canyon, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, this turned into this turned it into glass. This is a very very powerful beam weapon mm-hmm. to be able to do this." And then they 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 use and show all of the different mechanisms of how they're going to basically try and capture this thing with like little explosive balloons and they have like a net to try and capture it. Then they like they think of so many different ways that, of like practical ways of how you well, would actually fight. Because yeah. they've they've been exposed to it some and they know that it's very fast mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to come up with ways of, well, how do we hem it in long enough that we can hit it? Yeah. And that that's the whole, you know, th- this whole drill, the exercise they go through. Yeah. Well, and, and then they also have to think of the air support that is is following mm-hmm. along this essentially experimental kind of unit. Uh, but but even that, like, so, we're, you know, we're talking about spectacle here and the just the uh, the high amount of detail that they put into the Gundams where up until mm-hmm. this point um, for the production of all the other series, you don't really get. Like every once in a while, you'll get a couple like mechanical shots and things, but you never really get uh, like a full like well, it, sequence. Of Gu- it. Gundam mm-hmm. is still kind of feeling its super robot roots mm-hmm. for for most of that early era. Yeah, and then when you hit this, they suddenly they they feel this is again this is something I was going to bring up if you didn't because it's one of the big reasons they feel like real machines. Yeah, uh, and and uh, so the genre for Mobile Suit Gundam is real robot. Is, mm-hmm. is kind of what it, it coined back in 1979. And uh, because up until that point, it was all super robots. It was like, um, uh, like Mazinger and, um, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm not good on my super robot. I, I actually, I, I was going to help and you took the only way I could help. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it, it kind of like defined the genre and, and it still had some super robot elements. Like the, in the main series, there's a couple like, you know, m- most pilots have superpowers essentially mm-hmm. where this, they they take that scale down to where it's just a team of just normal guys or people that like these these could be fighter jets and the story doesn't, doesn't change, change too much yeah you, yeah. you lose something because you can't you can't really recreate a jungle in wherever yeah well yeah kind of but but it's the same idea yeah it's yeah. the yeah, it's the, it's the same general Vol- idea I'm on, I'm, Voltron's kind of a it's a super robot yeah it is carryover so that that's probably the most familiar thing I can put out yeah. there mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so just like for and. I mean, I mean, all the fights just like they feel very grounded in reality, 
And just from the perspective of Gundam, you just never have had that before. So mm -hmm. looking at this from the perspective of this is the first time that you watch a Gundam show, like you're going to be kind of spoiled mm -hmm. for any other Gundam that you watch because mm -hmm. a lot of them just kind of exist and they never really kind of go over like the maintenance that is involved or, hey, my, my ankles, you know, acting up again, yeah. let's try and fix this and almost kill me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, in a lot of Gundam takes place in space where physics is don't really matter. Well, it, it's a factor. It's just a different kind of, you don't have the same, like, you know, heavy step kicking up dust and, and these kinds of things where you can really feel the weight of the robot. They just kind of float because they're in space. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on a little bit to performance. Now this is kind of hard to, um, this is going to be an interesting category. This is going to be an interesting category because I, I know I'm the only one that did this, but I watched it in the subtitle, uh, original Japanese audio and the English. So, so you would actually be wrong. No. Yes. No. Yeah. How am I wrong? Because I've seen it in both. Well, no, 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 no. But like this specific viewing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I actually went back and. Oh, we'll see. I'm I didn't. I did not watch the whole thing in sub, but I definitely went back and played a couple of sub episodes just to get a feel for it because it has been a little while. Okay. Well, fine. Um, but. Uh, so for my performance, um, I gave the Japanese um, English or pff, Japan, <laughs> Japanese language audio track um, a nine out of ten. Mm -hmm. And then I gave the English a six out of ten. OK. Uh, the, so did you like combine those two scores when you put it in? Uh, yeah. OK. That, OK. That's um, a cool approach. I didn't actually do that. But but yeah. So um, like the the English is unfortunately for the time of when this was dubbed, which was early 2000s. Uh, the, the quality of translations and the quality of, uh, of just voiceover talent in general for, mm -hmm. for basically anime translations, which wasn't big at the time. Uh, it's not the best. No, it, it, uh, there's definitely, uh, there's, we, I've talked about it before, uh, in young justice and maybe a couple other things where you just kind of have people talking at the screen mm -hmm. with nothing really there behind it. Um, and then there's a couple, there's definitely a couple standout scenes where, uh, especially in the fight with Norris, they definitely took a lot more time, I think, and put a lot more emotion with it, um, for, for those kind of scenes. But there's, there's definitely a lot of other episodes where there's just kind of nothing there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it just doesn't, doesn't really track. Now the, the Japanese language, uh, honestly, like, you know, and this is just coming from like a, a seasoned anime viewer. Uh, subs are better than dubs. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the worst. But uh, you just get so much more emo emotion out of the characters, I feel. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I, I feel that all of them did a really good job. I mean, Shiro's probably the only one that gets a little bit grating. Well, okay, never mind. I take that back. Michael is probably the worst <laughs> yeah. character out of all well, of them. Just by default. I mean, yeah, he but, never but he, had a chance. He, he's specifically meant to be the whiny kind of annoying character kind of like speedy or wally from young justice well, he is he is entirely different i will it's, i will fight you to the it's death a very different type of character it's just he also is aggravating. he is um he is a stand-in for what war does to the common person no oh, absolutely and so his complaints are there to highlight the 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 conflict mm -hmm. on 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 that scale, and so like 
to say that he's being whiny trivializes the very real character. I mean, there, there is a bit of a character arc for him, but the very, the very real portrayal mm-hmm. of hardships that people go through. Well, in, in the realization that, um, there are definitely times, especially whenever he's uh, trying to connect with Sanders, mm-hmm. uh, that like, it's not always just about him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the desert episode with, uh, with him talking with Kiki, uh, but that's kind of like, so they both good. kind of, uh, they both kind of realize each other, mm-hmm. um, in the, in the sense of like, oh, you're going through a lot more stuff than I expected you to for both sides. Both yeah. Sides. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want to, I want to toss it over to Joel. I want to hear a performance. Okay. Well, uh, performance, I gave it an eight. Okay. Um, oh, wow. I, I, and you, you only did dub, correct? Uh, yeah, I only okay. did dub. Uh, so, so from my perspective, uh, not being able to understand the spoken Japanese language, it being <laughs> subbed is purely a downgrade because I, I only get the words. Like I don't, I don't get anything from the spoken. You can get some kind of like scream or, or up and down out of it, but that's, there's, that's totally fair. Yeah. Like there, there's yeah. like, and that's the thing too, uh, you know, I always say subs better than does, but I've also had I mean I, I've literally been watching anime since I was a kid, mm-hmm. and that has been my main form of entertainment for basically my entire life. Yeah, and everything I've watched has pretty much always been in sub. So yeah, like I I just have a different. So experience. your your mileage may vary. Is, yep. is the message here? But yep. yes, I I thought that the you know the animation plays a large part in in the performance mm-hmm. score, and I thought that the character animation was really quite excellent. There was the the character the visual characterization of the whole cast was really great. And then the the emotion of the really like the the really driving scenes which the the standouts are the scene in the desert between Kiki and and Mikel mm-hmm. where they're they're both just kind of like initially not really engaging with each other, but then like over the course of the conversation, both kind of bearing their pain mm-hmm. uh, to one another was really uh, well done. Um, and, and, and they're, they're um, similar in age. So Kiki's 17 and he's 18. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, and then, and then the, the other really emotional arc is of course the, the Shiro and, and Ina. Mm-hmm. Um, relationship and how that develops into kind of a um, a philosophical treatise on the on war and the appropriate use of violence um, and all this stuff, which really has uh, a large emotional weight because you get invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that all was done, you know, reasonably well. Uh, I I do agree <laughs> that the 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 voice actors didn't really add very much yeah. um but they did their job and what they portrayed was really good so that's that's where you get an eight from yeah okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's totally fair yeah all right well y'all are gonna make me feel bad <laughs> <laughs> so I, I gave it a four no no i did not do that uh so i definitely approached this kind of with caution because again, we already established of the three of us, I'm the, the one that's probably the most invested. So it's like, I don't, and I told y'all before this, like I changed my scores a lot because I put a score and be like, man, that was really harsh. Yeah. Uh, so having said that, and I, I only rated this on the dub. Okay. Yeah, uh, which is fine. I didn't, well, I didn't, I just did not have time to watch both yeah. the whole way through. And I really just wanted to be like, am I 
really just underselling this this much or or what? So I mm-hmm. you know, well, well, we'll watch a little bit in sub and just kind of remember, you know, because there's always with the translation, there's always going to be subtle differences in story too, or just the the words that are used yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, but I have my my own personal justification for dubs. Miyazaki gave me permission <laughs> to watch it in dubs because he wants you to watch the animation, and that's what I'm here for. Totally fine. However, it is a 1995, six, whatever show that wasn't English broadcast until like 2000, mm-hmm. and U.S. dubs are still pretty rough. Then, yeah, I gave it a six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still, I gave it a six too. Yeah, no, I, um, no. When I, you I said just, that, I, I was like, I, yeah, I no, we're the two scores. Yeah, we're 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 on track with each other, yeah. which you know. Uh, so for me, you know, it's it's the the weak translation. There are some things that, whatever, I, I think it kind of sticks out to me as someone who has watched both versions of anime over a decent amount mm-hmm. of time where you're like yeah that's totally the literal translation but that's not what and they that's, said that's, but that's not the right word for mm, it yeah. and and it it, it always kind of hits it's kind of like that dull note you know when you just hit the flat yeah and that kind of always jars me out a little bit and there's definitely some moments early on and because there's always that risk especially again kind of early I don't want to say early era, but early-ish era of uh, English dub becoming more common where you present these voice actors with these scripts and they don't really know what's going on, Mm -hmm. per se. Like, nowadays... They don't watch the show. Yeah, right. Nowadays, someone goes into voice acting and they want to do English dubs. And that person grew up watching anime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They they understand when they say, oh, well, your robot fell. You know, they they understand Mm -hmm. what they want to put into this. So I I think for me, you just kind of have kind of this stilted bit the animation still sells it, but kind of like what you said, that the character, the voice actor doesn't necessarily rise up yeah. as far as the animation was. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely was going to ding it for that. And I, I knew it going in because there are specific moments that always stick to me. Some of them are really kind of sadly always Sanders, it feels like, at the short end of the stick yeah. on some lines. Yeah, he got, I mean, like, but he's always, he's he's generally a one-note character for most of the show. Yeah, I mean, he has a purpose. He, he has the, he probably has the the shortest arc. Yeah, or the smallest arc. It's out resolved of all of very them. quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the big shining performances to me aren't the main characters. It's the lesser mm-hmm. characters, mm-hmm. Uh, like Admiral Yuri. Yeah, I love that character. Even even though when you are first introduced to him, he is introduced as a jerk. <laughs> He's still and like the because there's kind of always this weird interplay with Gundam where they're like, yeah, you know, war bad, both sides bad, but here's some people that you can kind of respect. Yeah. On both yeah. sides. Yeah. And and one of those is usually your main character. And then they have to throw in these other characters. So especially towards the end of the arcs with with Admiral Yuri and Norris. Uh, Norris. When, I mean, Norris was always going to be that character. Mm-hmm. Yuri was not guaranteed to be that character. <laughs> uh, and also there's like a, just a couple of the, the random people in kind of Yuri's orbit mm-hmm. who like there's the the it's the transport uh, captain who like does the defense. Right. Yeah. And faces off with Shiro. Uh, and they, they do a really good job of selling that kind of like, well, now you've hit the portion of the Xeon army that isn't the, um, how do I, how do I say the, the word? Uh, I mean, just, um, not authoritarian. They, yeah. They're not the, the fascist regime, regime yeah. representation. Mm-hmm. They're just the, the, the standard they're soldier just the guy that who has their into, honor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they do a good job with it. And I think that those, uh, actors did a good job with their bits that they are given. I mean, mm-hmm. Yuri definitely has, his voice actor in the English definitely has that 
big, bold, yeah, boisterous, gregarious nature to him. Mm-hmm. He's still going to be serious, but come on, guys, let's let's pull together, let's go. You know, yeah, we're gonna have a little little bit of fun with this. I'm gonna joke with you a little, even though I'm the admiral, I'm talking to well, a and, private or whatever. His character specifically just wears his heart on his sleeve. Like you know that he genuinely cares about the people in mm-hmm. his his company. And he wants them to be safe. He wants them to get back to space. He, I mean, like, despite, you know, they're in war and technically he's on the quotation marks bad side. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, he is, he's still looking out for the the best thing for his men mm-hmm. and not necessarily like Guineas, who is only interested in whatever his success is. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I mean, you get that direct comparison with the treatment of the soldiers mm-hmm. at the, the base yeah. there towards the end. Yeah. Here, have um, some performance enhancing drugs to make you work. To make you keep working. <laughs> but but yeah, so yeah, I, you know, like I said, I went into this being harsh because I didn't want to just be like supported as it is. So yeah. y'all actually made me feel a little better about my score. <laughs> so so moving forward, speaking of scores, we're going to talk about the, the score. score. So we're talking about the music. Mm, I'm uncertain. I'll th- start. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I gave it an eight. Okay. Okay. Uh so the um, the the big hits for this, and and I kind of talked about this in our Young Justice episode, but essentially a an anime opening and ending are or, or a series opening and ending are so important to set the tone of the show. Okay, mm-hmm. and that, the, that is that is a postulate that you have put forward. Like it, it, is, it, it is the <laughs> elevator speech. For the show to tell you exactly what you're getting into yeah. or what you're getting out of and or, or to give more um, uh, kind of like, you know, just uh, context to mm. to the show itself and the opening and the ending for the show are absolutely fabulous, like straight bangers from like it, like there's there's a very specific kind of anime or like Japanese pop that kind of exists mm-hmm. in only anime openings. Yeah. yeah. And. <laughs> Uh, this this kind of is just like the quintessential like right right to the edge of of city pop to more of like a standard pop from like the from the late 90s in Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that I like about it, and this is more on the visual kind of spectacle side, um, but each the opening really gives you kind of just a little extra context for each of the characters and kind of the the general like it's it's basically telling you even though you are seeing stuff like each episode has you know a very specific story there are clearly other things that these mm-hmm. characters are going through mm-hmm. on a daily basis mm-hmm. that are um, very unique to that and the 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 music helps just kind of solidify that um you know for for basically the show and it sets the tone yeah um now the there are some very good moments within the show itself for a lot of the episodes, especially the fight with Norris. Um, there's some really good background music. However, some of the earlier episodes, unfortunately, don't really have um, a lot to back it up for a couple of their fight scenes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it can be a little empty. It, it's just kind of a little empty and, you know, they could have added a little bit more in there. Um, probably the, you know, the two key episodes was episode six, which is the desert episode. And then the fight with Norris, um, particularly right before it, whenever he is talking to Ina in the mountain and, you know, he makes the decision to essentially go die. Cause that's, yeah. that's what he's, you know, the, and we're kind of, I'll get into that for plot, but, but really he, um, he has this moment where he's like, if that's what you want, if, if, if you want everyone to escape, 
then I will sacrifice my life for that. Yeah, I will and make it happen. The music that they have for this moment is just so compelling because it it swells and then it it has the the power shot of him walking um, right next to his his suit mm. as it, it walks beside him, which is which is a little much, but I let it slide. We we <laughs> we, we steered into rule of cool there, but we'll let that one. It, slide. That is okay. So like that is like one of the coolest shots in Gundam they have ever done. Oh no 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 no! That that shot hits, but it's all rule of cool. Because <laughs> well, you know, because then you have you know him looking scowl faced, and then Ina looking uh, looking towards him and just like. You know, you better not die because, you know, I don't care about you in a romantic way, but I care about you as a father figure. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the music just hits so hard for that, that it really supports um, a lot of the weight of that kind of scene. Yeah. Uh, and they do that a couple times throughout the show, but like it's really towards the end of the series is when they really start kind of hitting you with with those really big scores where the beginning kind of doesn't have a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, I'm going to let Joel go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take it because uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I gave it a seven. Okay. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but intros and outros do not matter. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I thought it was thoroughly run of the mill, exactly like every other anime intro that I have ever seen. You were, so, how dare you? <laughs> Philistine. Trolls before swine. <laughs> However, um, I thought that the the arrangements, the orchestral arrangements that were used throughout the bulk of the show were very imaginative and and not uh, not like a typical sort of score that you would run into in just, let's say, an action show, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So they were... Uh, they, they felt like they had thought behind them. Right, exactly. And so there was there was a lot of really interesting and fun pieces throughout that supported the emotions of the scene, the the swelling theme um, that you alluded to before mm -hmm. with the the speech of I'm going to go sacrifice myself, you know? Yeah. Uh, Without ever actually saying those words. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Right, it's, right. All, it's all just understood, which, yeah. is, which is what makes Make, it really sell so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, there you go. I, I, I got my dig in, so I'm good. I, no, no. I, I, I'm still, I, okay. No, 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 stop. Well, okay. Breathe. But you, you did watch them, right? Uh, Once. a couple of times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So but like, like, did you stop. actually watch it where like you had like oh all the gosh. context of oh like gosh. what's happening? Like yeah. in the, okay, whatever. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> just like OA MS team, we started with a banger intro. We had the meat in the middle, and we're going to have a banger outro. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it an eight. It's not the world's greatest ever. It's still really good. Mm -hmm. The intro is fire. The outro is what you what you need post most of these Which episodes. Which is super chill, just Shiro yeah. hanging out, well, signing some command papers. So, so I didn't bring it up in Spectacle, and I probably should have, but because it, it feeds into Spectacle. One, it's really great that everything in the intro, because so many animes give away some of their best moments in the intros. Oh, man, yeah, they, they do. They spoil themselves so much. And this is all, none of what is animated in the intro shows up in the show. Yep. At all. And I love the bits of the little bits of action. And also, then you have the kind of just like snapshots, where it's just, you know, the boring life of being a soldier, because there's a lot of boredom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the flip side as well for the outro, which is just that essentially like a home recording mm -hmm. while the music's playing where everyone's just kind of getting a chance to show off their character. In a yeah. Sense. Uh, and that that's really spectacle. But the music that's going with it is just great. And mm -hmm. unlike the Philistine over here, <laughs> I watched every intro, every and single every one. outro yep. because I'm not missing those songs, period. Uh, no, I'm. 
I'm I'm sing along level for those. Yeah, no, I mean I don't <laughs> I, know I've the language. To them it doesn't for, matter. You know, over twenty years now. But moving into the actual show itself, I think the music. Uh, so so I I looked down to see exactly the words I wrote because I remember writing them and I don't know what happened to me because I wrote, um, <laughs> I wrote, you know, surprisingly diverse choices and lots of scenes where. <laughs> and it stops. And I don't know what I happened to that. had a stroke. Yeah, no, I, that I had to like work or something. I don't know. But. Oh, no. Plot twist. This isn't Steven. This is an android who thinks he's Steven. <laughs> and that's when Steven died. That's when I died. <laughs> <laughs> replaced. Um, but the, the music choices throughout the show, I think they did a lot of good, kind of echoing what you were saying, where they did a lot of good choices of. Maybe stuff that you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be in here because this is action adventure yeah. or whatnot. It was much more of an emotional choice. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that ultimately supports because at the end of the day, basically everything that's Gundam is kind of an anti-war. Propaganda. If you, I guess you could call it that. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very – everyone sees the big shiny suits and they fight each other and that's great and that's wonderful. And then they're just getting force-fed war bad, war bad, war bad. Yeah. So that fits this because, again – yeah, big shiny suits fighting, but that's not what we're, we're not here for the action. We're here for the emotions of this, the emotional mm -hmm. impacts of, you know, what Mikhail is going through, what uh, Shiro is going through, Karen is going through, Elador, et cetera. Uh, and they also they have kind of the cheeky bits, you know, like where Elador requests his own song over the radio. <laughs> yeah. So they just get to throw, during a pretty heavy scene where everyone is really down, they get to throw in this little pop song and it, you know, it gets, it, it, it's plot relevant, but it gets everyone kind of yeah. back in a better mm -hmm. state of mind. Well, I um, mean, yeah, because like up until that point in, in the episode, like it is emotion, drama, oh my gosh, emotion, yeah. drama. And then like out of, you know, then we get a really nice, pretty song. And then you're like, oh, he requested that. Yeah, yeah, of course he yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, no. So speaking of, since we're headed that way, let's just go right into some plot. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go first. Yeah. Because this is mine. Uh, I made this. I made this. <laughs> You made this. I, I made, made this. this. Uh, so I gave plot an eight. Okay. So th there are some highs, there are some lows, and uh, I want to talk about some highs. And we are just talking about it, the desert episode, oh, which is definitely Holy probably the, the emotional climax of the. Yeah, I and it's and it's the the bit we like we literally just said it. And I'm just going to say it again because it's worth saying. You have everyone at kind of this emotional low. You know, you get. You get a lot of kind of background and story from Mikkel and his, mm -hmm. uh, you know, narration, which could be a son, but it's not here because <laughs> they're, they're helping. They're they're not telling you the story. They're giving you a, a side view into what's going on. Yeah, and and like and that's basically his his vehicle to without us without him just basically giving like exposition. Yeah, well, and he doesn't really have someone else that he can really talk to because he is the youngest member kind of the most disrespected yeah. of the group. So it's not like he's going to sit down and have a heart well, to heart like, with Elidor. Right. But like he's, he's young, which he sort of shares with Shiro, but he's also not an officer. Yeah, so, not in charge. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't get the artificial respect that Shiro does. Right. right. And, the, and the people he would relate to are all a decade older than him yeah. Yeah. and have just way different lives essentially. Uh, but the whole bit with him where you, you constantly have the scenes where he, he keeps wanting to go back to the letter and but he has to do his duties and the impacts it has is just great and kind of the, the consequences and how that plays out. The, the scene where Kiki steals it from him <laughs> and is just like running through the desert with him chasing her while she's reading off the thing. So she thinks she's making fun of him like, yeah. oh, you're so flirty. And she hits that point. She just kind of stops walking. It's like, 
Oh, this is a Dear John letter. Yeah, I'm I like to stop. <laughs> I, well, I, I think I'm done reading now. And Michaela's just collapsed on the ground. Yeah. And then, of course, everyone hits this huge low. And I think it's actually really cool because you don't, I didn't necessarily pick up on it, right? But like at that point, Eldor's injured. He's not with the team. Yeah. And he is definitely a big part of it. He's a big voice. Mm-hmm. And for most of what they do, he is ultimately kind of glue for them because well, everything goes through him, right? Well, and he's, he's, he's the foil for the team because yeah. he, like everyone else is relatively stoic. I mean, like Shiro is like headstrong, but he also doesn't talk a lot. Yeah. Not, yeah. He was talk, talked at. Elidor is the one that's just going to yeah. off on yeah. his own. <laughs> so suddenly, you know, like the team is disjointed because he's not there. And everyone is at their lowest point, and then Elidor comes through in the clutch by doing what he's going to do for himself, which is, I want to hear my own song. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to request it on the radio. And then everyone gets the good laugh, and it binds them back together. Yeah, That, like, that episode, just, oof, so good. And every, like, all of the, I, I I'm going to go back to Young Justice. Why not? I, I'm not going to say that everything that happens in every episode is connected, because it's not. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the reality of, you know, a war you're just going to go on a patrol one day and just going to be a patrol mm-hmm. yeah whatnot but there's enough interconnected pieces you know we kind of discussed this earlier where you couldn't just drop into an episode unless it's you know one or two and just be guaranteed even even dropping in at two you miss the whole connection between uh, uh, him and Shiro Ina. and sanders and him and i like you yeah. missed the yeah. big point here uh, like if you picked up at like episode seven you're like Shiro, what are you doing what is, what is what is what's going on uh why are you trying to save this why person? why are why are we in love you know yeah. which there's there's some problems there, there's already there. problems yeah. yeah uh yeah so if if we're gonna i'm gonna let someone else ding them i'm gonna, I'm gonna set that one mm-hmm. off to the side i'm not gonna i'm not gonna grab it i want to grab it but i'm not gonna grab it <laughs> uh but i mean for the most part you know it it just flows it works the fights are good they they feel meaningful they feel like they have impact i love the small scale plot storytelling yeah. here yeah. because then again, it's, not, it's the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Well, well, it's also, it's not Joel's knowledge to know this, but like so many Gundam fights are, well, I just shot a thousand missiles and killed all the irrelevant mook suits. So now it's just me and the two people who matter to fight. And it's kind of well, like, that's more of a Kogi ace problem, but anyway. okay. Yeah. But, but it does happen a lot. It's a mecha problem. It is a, me- it is absolutely a mecha problem. Yeah. Fair. Um, and it's, it's way better when it's just like, sure, do we know who this Zaku pilot is? No, but he's like a legitimate problem for Shiro, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this out. Uh, I'll, I'll add it cause I'm going to let Joel go next, but okay. I just wanted to add that the, um, the, uh, a lot of it, I, I like a lot, uh, a couple of the plot points and, uh, even like minor plot points of just like within scenes of whenever, um, uh, uh, they basically have to make sure that they are not shooting the nuclear reactors in the Gundams yeah. to oh, yeah. make sure they don't just kill everyone. Uh, that's actually a negative for the plot. Well, no, no, no. It, 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 it is. It, it adds tension. Yeah. But it's not really how nuclear reactors work. It doesn't matter. It irradiate anyways, people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Joel, you can go. All right. So I also gave plot an eight. Okay. Fair. Um, I thought that in in particular, um, Mikel and Shiro's arcs were both really compelling. Really good. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Mikel, as we already alluded to, is kind of a stand in for this is what war does to people. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Shiro's arc is basically him going on a journey of questioning his own morality mm-hmm. because he starts out being 
I mean, a little naive, but very gung ho about fighting for his faction. He's the good yeah. soldier. Yeah. yeah. And he, through his, his uh, connection to Ina comes to a point of, well, the other side are all people. And that's a problem for me because I've never confronted that before. Mm-hmm. Right. They were just the bad guys. They're, and I'm they're, gonna go, they were they're, monsters. Yeah. yeah. But they're, but they're, but he comes to view them as people and it wasn't just that he makes a switch to pacifism, which I would feel would be kind of a, an unsatisfying conclusion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to, to that, to that abrupt shift in perspective, because that's not how he was originally portrayed. Right. right? So it would, it would just be kind of like too far of a stretch for the character, Yeah. but for him to go all the way over to pacifism and try it on and be like, is is this right? Because the other wasn't right. Is this right? And then for him to make the realization, no, I am going to, I'm willing to fight. I'm even willing to kill, but it has to be for the immediate defense of someone that I, I am going to protect. Yeah. For the, for the yeah. right reasons. Yeah. yeah. And so having that level of kind of philosophical debate in a character arc is something that I really like and really find intriguing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was really compelling. Um, on an episode to episode basis, they, they really benefited from the small scale. Like you were talking about, they have, they have a concrete mission that their team is being sent on and they have a plan to do it. And the plan usually doesn't work, but you know, (laughs) they're working their plan Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) uh, and you can, you can follow what's going on every step of the way yeah, because they have such, such a limited scope. Uh, and the only major problem, and it is a major problem, that that I can really ding the plot for is the fact that we go from uh, Shiro and Ina meet one time in space, mm-hmm. and he convinces her that they need to work together to survive, and they have an amicable parting where they manage to arrange it to where neither one of them ends up as a captive, right? Um, and which which is what sets him down the the line of being able to see his enemy as people instead of monsters, but the very next time they meet, he is professing his undying love for her. Yeah. Right. The whole time between he is obviously infatuated with her Mm -hmm. and attracted to her, which is perfectly natural. Um, if, if that's going to happen, like, I mean that on that time scale, it's perfectly. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he is a, he is a soldier that, you know, 23 year old soldier that has, you know, a pretty girl locket that he can look at her picture and, well, I love how long it takes for him to realize, oh, there's a photo on the backside of this. Yeah. <laughs> but the it really needed uh, another touch or a longer period of them being stranded together for there to be some basis for relationship. Yeah. Um, and since that relationship is basically central to the conflict of the entire show, I knocked it a whole two points just for that. Yeah. So um, uh, so basically there there's maybe two reasons i don't really know because you know i wasn't in the production mm-hmm. for this uh so takayuki kanda which was the original director that was meant to direct all um 12 ish episodes 11 we haven't even, we haven't even gotten into yeah that. We, 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 have to, we have to actually discuss talked that. about it yeah um but he unfortunately died in 1996 mm-hmm. um and he essentially directed episodes one through six and then episodes seven through 12 um were basically taken up by umonosuke ida 
And um, as far as I know, there was just a rough outline. They're basically, of, basically working off notes. Uh, yeah. Um, as far as I know, and the hearsay, of course, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, um, but it's it's definitely one of those things where uh, some of that may have been lost in translation of maybe like episode eight may have been more about him and an Ina than basically him, uh, basically like about the court martial mm-hmm. and him trying to. Uh, basically save everyone uh, from the from the suits that were just kind of sitting around in the gorilla yeah. um, camp. Which, that was a good episode. It was a good episode. Just because you kind of got to see the whole spectrum of military soldiers involved. Yeah. You have the one guy who's just, basically, if he wasn't in the military, he would kind of be like a, a pirate or a thief, basically. Yeah. You have just the good family man. And then, you know, the officer who just wants her to get her troops home and Mm -hmm. how that kind of unravels into a disaster as it goes. You know, if he would have paid, like, it's kind of one of those things where if the the guy that basically starts the conflict, if he would have just picked up anyone else except for Kiki, then I'm sure that it wouldn't have been a conflict. Quite so dramatic. You know, she's a fiery redhead. Uh, by definition, well, I mean, also well, she's the also village like the leader's daughter. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like she's she is a local treasure. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is it is it on me now? I mean, I don't know, Joel. Joel's yeah, cool. no, I'm. Oh, okay. I've, I've said my piece. Um, okay, so, uh, oh yeah, there we go. I I was on the wrong page. There we go. Uh, I gave plot an eight. Wow. Hey, go wow. figure. Well, yeah, we're we kind just of on the nailing this one. Um, we mostly pretty much covered everything. Uh, the the love story um, felt a little bit too abrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it didn't, like, I think if they would have had just one more chance encounter before that mm-hmm. to just kind of solidify, hey, I'm attracted to you. And, like, she may not be attracted to him then, but she can see his kindness and the um, the general idea of, like, oh, He's a person too, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and like just one more yeah, small I mean, chance encounter would have would have helped. She she was at that point at the end of the episode one. Like the thing is, episode one and the way it kind of resolves, if they weren't basically forced to be apart, like they could have already been off on like a crush kind of thing. Yeah, like like that that kind of like oh fireworks kind of thing. Like at the <laughs> end, like any other anime, you know that's that's just oh we've we've got our two main characters. Mean, yeah. this is what happens, but. Uh, but so, and like, and that's kind of the thing too, is like, she is a 20 year old girl who mm-hmm. ha- has essentially lived a, a very suppressed, sheltered, uh, sheltered life because her brother is a, a, just not a good person. And, um, we've barely, we've barely really hit on him much. <laughs> well, uh, Guinea is actually is a pretty, he's a, he's a very good antagonist, yeah. um, in the sense of, you know, exactly what he's about. You know how he, you know what he's going to do. Be like not in the sense of like, oh, I see it coming, because you do, but you you also know exactly why he's doing it, mm-hmm. yeah. and his motivations, while twisted, are are exactly in line with what you would expect out of uh, basically a brilliant scientist that knows that he has limited time left, mm-hmm. and he finally yeah. achieves his his true goal of creating this massive, you know, mobile armor that is um, more than enough to destroy the, the enemy Federation which, base. Which ultimately is the result of his quest for a brand of immortality. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and he will do anything, including kill all the scientists to, that helped him make this reality to make sure that it was only his. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Ina just happens to be the only reason why 
he can actually pilot it just because like she is the actual capable physically capable one of doing right, it right and uh, you know because of that she has kind of been forced into this life that mayor she probably didn't want to have and you know like every time that she has been in combat like even whenever she knew that she wasn't fighting against shiro or or anything like she still tried to not fight if she didn't absolutely have to to save Norris or one mm-hmm. of her um uh, her air support units where like she would be basically out of the fight until she's like okay I have to make this happen to make sure that they don't die and um y- you know she's an impulsive 20 year old I don't know yeah I mean I I, I wouldn't try and justify the, the, <laughs> the, the bit. and like it's kind of funny too because you get you know, coming off of the the mountain episode, mm-hmm. you get that bit right where she gets picked up and and they ask, "Well, what about the Fetty officer?" And probably one of the best dubbed voice acting performances, as far as I'm concerned, because she's got the helmet on, she's completely faceless, and she does that <laughs> as cold as she can. You know, eliminated, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, that was really weird way to talk. And then dealing with her brother, she he like immediately pegs. You're dressing differently. Yep. She f- utterly fails at lying to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like that was the only way she could poke her face was like, I put my helmet on. You can't see <laughs> yep. my face. I did this as cold as I could. And it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, this makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really also liked kind of the, the progression of their relationship because when you're introduced to Ina and Guineas, you're kind of like, man, this is kind of weird. Y'all are, y'all are brother and sister y'all are a little strange with each a other too close yeah just a little ugh. and then as it goes along you know once guineas is accomplishing what he needs he doesn't care about Ina or need her to be present mm-hmm. or even like when you know they're trying to find her after the crash landing and he just you know leaves the control room and norris is like you're just gonna walk away he's like it means she's won the beacon's not there i'm totally unconcerned and it's like no he just doesn't care period yeah, yeah. and I, I liked that progression of because it it makes the rift between them feel more normal because mm-hmm. as well, weird a relationship as they have there shouldn't be a rift there unless something like that occurred mm-hmm. well and essentially the the payoff in the uh, what the final episode whenever mm-hmm. he he tries to kill her and he uh, ends up failing and then realizes that he fails and he's like okay well fine i'm gonna blow everything up now yeah mm-hmm. and um it is it it is an earned climax for because you can you can tell that like deep down he he hates her in the sense of like well you can do everything that I can't mm-hmm. yeah um, and it's like I have this this technology this technological thing that I've created but essentially I'm not going to be here anymore and I'm jealous of the fact that I one I couldn't get rid of you and then you're still going to be here mm-hmm. yeah okay so I think we've covered the plot pretty well I I did I did want to ding Go for it. one little minor thing Go for it. And that was at the end of the asterisk last episode. Oh, we're going to get about ep- that. Ep- we're about to be heading. Ep- episode for 11. <laughs> go, go for it. Um, where there's the the voiceover of, you know, uh, Shiro and Ina are, are missing. They can't find them. Mm-hmm. They're presumed dead. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, we know that they made it out and got away. But, you know, yeah. they're, they've kind of escaped from the war is, yeah. is mm-hmm. the ending. Uh, but they then go ahead in the voiceover and say the war ended soon after that. And I think that that was actively a bad choice yeah. because the show, while set in the war, 
had nothing to do with the war. It didn't. It didn't. It just needed the war as the backdrop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I can agree with that because and I feel that that's more of a just a war film trope, just in general. But well, it's not a good one. Yeah. It it also because this is a show that is set in a larger universe of connected material. Yeah. It sets it more firmly in the overarching timeline, which I feel like would be a uh, a temptation to do. Yeah. E- even though doing it doesn't add or maybe even detracts a little bit from from the project as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I can I can agree with that. OK, so let's talk some elephant in the room because we keep <laughs> talking about episode the final episode asterisk episode 11. We're just. So episode 11 ends and they do the final little scene and credits roll and it says the end. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so I'm going to say this as someone who has been a fan of the show, saw it when it hit Over US, 20 years. Yeah, when it hit US release. Episode 12 never made US release. I had never seen or known of its existence until today. Until today when I went to go back to check something and was like, oh, that's funny. There's a couple little extra things. Well, I can tell this is the intro and the outro in a separate by itself. Yeah. And then I was like, but what are you? Like, you are an episode 12. What in the actual heck is going on? <laughs> I legitimately, I messaged and it was just like, am I, like, is it the Android replacing is this right the now? effect? <laughs> yeah. No, like, I never seen this before and never want to see it again. <laughs> So uh, the episode we're, we're talking episode twelve, last resort, uh, is essentially the plot be, um, where um, uh, Michael and um, Kiki are kind of like the war is ended. This is post war. Uh, they are basically trying to track down where Shiro and Ina kind of end up, mm-hmm. and they they end up kind of getting kidnapped by uh, essentially survivor um, children. Um, that are on essentially on the Xeon side of the conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, they um, go through this weird thing where they end up like uh, hinting the fact that they just buried Ina, but um, uh, then they dig up a grave that they said was Shiro. It's just a really weird episode. I don't even, I don't even know how to. And, and ultimately, it. so like it felt like a jumping off point for a new story. Yeah. Yes. But then they wrapped it up with our characters find where Shiro and Ina have been and like but it's exactly the same ending that we already had. That we already had. Yeah, we saw saw them in the final because because there's no there's no additional information. I mean we 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 learn they're pregnant. That yeah, they're about they're gonna have a kid and they've got a cabin in the woods. Yeah. Kiki is devastated. And and, and Kiki is completely devastated by the fact that she definitely has no chance now. But but like (laughs) that's not that does not progress the already resolved arc. No. No, exactly. It's it was just such a and weird like, choice. Like there were some things that added a little bit, right? So we have, you know, Mikhail has the the photo of his, the, the girl he's written to throughout the war. And it's her having been married with a baby. <laughs> yeah. To, he's obviously scribbled out the dude's face and, you know, he's obsessed with this. He's drinking heavily, depressed. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like that's, that's kind of like, if that's kind of where we were and like, hey, they wanted to like jump a series off of them, like trying to search through this and hijinks ensue. Cool. And then we hit the the children's survivor, like like it was just uh, it was just weird for for I, I'm really curious as to Joel's opinions because I at least have background within the universe to understand what's going on with the kids. 
Well, I knew that they were part of some experiment because right. that was that was obvious because they were being treated by the doomed crew in mm-hmm. the intro to the episode as important and valuable. Mm-hmm. Right? And it like because they're children of the corn borderline. It's creepy. Yeah. Like it's some creepy kids. And there's a lot of weird stuff. We're going out in the rain to dig up a grave that doesn't actually contain a person. And they're terrified that you're going to steal their names. And just there are a lot of decisions made that are just which, Which if you're then going to have another 10 episode series to explore these things that you've introduced, then sure, okay. why not? Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically the, the, the hinted backstory is essentially these kids were the first batch of cyber new types, which are, are basically like space psychics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and spoilers they, for a completely different show. <laughs> I, no, I mean, well, I mean it's, it's like that's just that's just part of the universe. It's yeah. the main the main theme of Gundam is the the concept of new types. Uh, uh, yeah, and basically, a new type is a, an evolution of of humans that well, live in it's, space. It's mm-hmm. considered an evolution. There's yeah. no. It, it's kind of the one of the points of Zion trying to break free and all this other, it becomes very central, but obviously the kids were an attempt to kind of create artificial new types, new which types. is, which is why they can all like uh, uh, talk with each other mm-hmm. in their minds. Yeah. Which is why they're children of the corn because yeah. they don't have to talk to each other. But the, <laughs> they can just the, stand there and the, communicate. The doctor who is referenced in the stuff they find in the ship mm-hmm. is like the founder of that concept and the program yeah. He's mm-hmm. kind of the giveaway. Uh, that, and also, that also the, deals with like cloning and other yeah, things. Yeah, also the swan. Lala. <sighs> <sighs> la, la, okay. Goose but, girl. Um, anyways. It's just, a, it's just a really weird deviation from what was a everything. story that was already done. Everything. And the, the best selling point of 08 is that it's so grounded. You don't have the, the child, teenager, space wizard, prodigy kid. Yeah. You just have people. And it kind of messes it up. So all this is to say. Uh, we didn't include episode 12 when we were doing any kind of judgments <laughs> yeah. on this because it would have impacted scores. And Substantially. Yeah, like it, you can you can recover a bad start with a great finish. It is really difficult to to carry the momentum of a good start with a bad finish and this is the, that latter case. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, it's, it's one of those things too because, um, you know, both of you guys uh, essentially watched the English dub, mm-hmm. uh, which was broadcast you know here in the u.s episode 12 was never broadcast we can get around with a loophole there that because i i've known about the episode for a long time uh, but most of the time whenever i re-watch the show which is about once a year uh, i always skip it i just yeah. i just like i'm good i've seen it like maybe once you know <laughs> I mean, twice now twice even, now. <laughs> even back when hulu had it on like first had 08 on it stopped at 11 yeah did not go to 12 yeah, so at some point, maybe whenever they did like a Blu-ray release or something, they they may have added it in uh, the, to the fiftieth uh, anniversary of Gundam. <laughs> they, they gave it back to us. We didn't want it. They gave it to us. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, we need to move to the entertainment score, which is the essentially the final score, which doesn't go into the aggregate. And uh, just how did you feel about enjoying the show? Would you watch it again? Yeah. Those yeah, kind yeah. of things. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start out on a high note. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it a 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this, the, uh, like I said earlier, this is not actually my favorite Gundam show. Uh, Gundam Zeta or Zeta Gundam is, is definitely my hundred percent favorite. Um, well it is, uh, <sighs> but if you want to watch something that has low time investment, 
this is the show. Yeah. Uh, you can you can pick it up, you can watch it, and you will enjoy generally every minute of it. Uh, it has um, a, a banger opening and ending. <laughs> I'm staring at you, Joel. <laughs> then it, it has great action scenes, well animated, good character development, and I mean, it's just a fantastic show. Yeah. And I watch it at least once a year uh, just because I can just kind of throw it on. I know what I'm going to watch and, you know, I'll, I'll toss on the dub just so I can work while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, ooh, the, this scene's coming up or this cut of animation's coming up and I'll just go and watch it. Yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is my favorite Gundam show. Yep. I've watched it multiple times on my own without needing prodding. <laughs> uh, I gave it a nine. What? Well, so, okay. I did say I tried to scale that. Like, I don't want to just sit down. It would be really boring by side. Oh, 10, 10, 10, 10. <laughs> but I tried to be kind of reasonable. But no, but this is entertainment. This has all subjective content. Right. Okay. But there are also some problems on an entertainment scale of, can I just throw this on the TV when like my mom is in the room? No. no. Could it like just just outright? No, I mean they're at war and like you know they're they're naked pinups on the wall and so like is it is it a really accurate depiction of soldiering? Yeah, I think it it does a pretty good job of that, but that's not necessarily entertaining all the time. Oh, that's fair. Sometimes you need the mood, and I think so. It's also one of those things where no, there's no like a, an individual episode where I just turn it on and be like, yeah, maybe I'll watch, you know, Norris fight scene again. Or I that mean, that's, that's generally the easiest one right. to, to pick up is, is just throw that but, on. But you really need kind of the buildup throughout to really get everything out of it as you go. Yeah. You just watch the other nine episodes before it. Right. Yeah. And then you watch that one. Yeah. So that, that, that is kind of an issue in entertainment because you actually have to pay attention. You need to go in and watch, you don't you will not get the same benefit of just picking up one episode. Even me having watched it multiple times. Right. Man, I'll still that, watch but... episodes because I have it's at that point it's just nostalgia, you, right? It's, you it's are an embarrassment. Oh my gosh, hush! <laughs> but at the end of the day, it is the best Gundam. Period. Fight me. No space teenage wizard prodigies. <laughs> just normal people doing things. Don't talk about Camille that way. I will absolutely talk about Camille that way, Joel. All right, so. Uh, we have largely, with the with the exception of um, uh, intros and outros, have largely been <laughs> uh, on the same page, and I've said a lot of really good things uh, about the show. So understand <laughs> when I lay down Ooh, boy. a score of five. Ooh, Ooh boy, brutal. There were a lot of things that I really, really loved about the show. I loved the philosophical questions that are raised and probed. I loved the 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 sort of slice of life with the background of uh, a a war that the main characters are caught up in, but not not fully supportive of. You know, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> big but. The the sexualization of uh, particularly Kiki um, with a little weird with the 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 issue being the fact that she is underage and is just being like openly ogled by the main character who then is like dismissive of her saying that she's a kid, which she then brings up. Well, then why did you look at me? And he's like, well, you're good to look at. It's like, what? 
<laughs> what? <laughs> who who wrote this? <laughs> and then and then the other people from her own village are all like, hey, 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 not even we've seen that. It's like way to go, you know. And Ina is treated similarly by by the admiral, who mm-hmm. which you know that's that is a tool to show that someone is a jerk. And so fine, it's whatever. Yeah. yeah, but like. You did it with our main character too. Why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> and it is it. And so it's it's not even like the 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 naked pinup shots. Yeah. Right. On the on the soldiers machines well, and, and bunks and whatnot. Like that's that's that war. That, yeah. yeah, that's just that's one thing. It's 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 really the underage aspect to it that was such an enormous turnoff. I had a very difficult time making it through the first half of the show. No, no. The that is that's totally fair. Easily an incredibly jarring thing that just doesn't have to exist. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't really change anything if it didn't exist in the show. Right. And like yeah. her, and that's, that's her, being, her being a kid and having a crush on this dashing, handsome, young officer mm-hmm. is totally great. I'm there for that, that art. Yeah. It's just, I really wish that it was handled in a less offensive way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's uh, that's unfortunately part of the anime culture, especially around the the mid-90s or just the 90s in general, yeah. um, uh, where, you know, there there's there is a despairing um, age difference of what the who, you know, basically what is of age here and what is of age over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's right, but I mean, that's just kind of well, it's, it's just kind of a, one of those. It's a, it's a cultural factor that if you're not aware of could it, really it, catch it, you it off very, guard. But, like, but like they even call it out themselves in that scene yeah. in the show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, it's like, and I'm not defending it cause I, it's, it's definitely one of those things where like, if I'm telling someone, Oh, you should watch Oh, it's a mess team. Well, just be, yeah, no, be aware of the second the, episodes. There's some, um, there's some, you know, 17 year old titties. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Well, because I mean, even when you have the episode where you have the um, the Xeon forces are in her village and they're just trying to get food, right? Yeah. And you have the one guy who we sell off as the jerk, the instigator who causes this. Well, even he's like, "Oh, she's a little young, but you know, can't, yeah. beggars can't be shooters or whatever." He mm-hmm. throws out there. When he, it's like, "Oh, cool, we're establishing she's a jerk." Like we also did this with our main character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It is a difficult piece to just have thrown in your face and it's more so because if it didn't exist in the show it wouldn't change anything Mm -hmm. yeah it was i mean it was just fan service for the sake of fan service yeah um you know which is which is unfortunate um whenever you have the rest of the show which is you know really really well put together and um you know it's uh, unfortunately just part of the that the culture of the time and it, yeah. and it, I mean it still exists now um, yeah. for for a lot of anime and the you know hopefully the you know the the more it gets popularized and everything a lot of those tropes will hopefully go away or get relegated to shows that that are of lesser quality that you know kind of what you're getting into mm. yeah okay so Joel talking about you know oh the mess team and everything mm-hmm. like that would you ever watch another Gundam after watching this. Cause this is your first, first entry yeah, yeah. into it. No, I, I would be certainly open to it. It's, it's, there's, uh, you know, there's the, 
the realism aspect mm -hmm. of this one is really appealing. Yeah. And so to be told that this is as realistic as it gets. It is and, about as realistic as it gets. So it's. it's yeah. Sadly. <laughs> so I'm not immediately drawn mm -hmm. to wanting to consume more because I'm like, well, this is probably the best that I was going to get from a meeting with my taste yeah. perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't put me off of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that. Like that's, you know, because it's one of those things where whenever you are, are kind of showing someone something new, right, mm -hmm. uh, you always want to know if they're going to be interested to watch other things of yeah. the same of the same light, because then you have more stuff to talk about. Yeah. And uh, being an anime fan has always been kind of my my goal to find things that my friends would enjoy, mm -hmm. even if they don't watch the medium. So I can I can like at least talk a little bit about yeah. it. <laughs> I, I mean, I consume so much that. You know, I, I'm never going to get to talk about all the shows that I watch mm -hmm. besides just with my wife because we watch them together. But, uh, you know, Gundam is one of those kind of universal um, franchises that that do bring a lot of people kind of in mm -hmm. um, to where you can like everyone's seen either Gundam Wing or MS Team or G Gundam. And there, there's double so many. O. Yeah, double up. There's so many different franchises within the franchise that like you can always find a common ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's actually kind of interesting. You're not going to ask me that question. No, I already know. I, you are, <laughs> <laughs> we we have Gundam build days where we just watch an entire season of Gundam. Yeah, it will not watch. It's in the background. Well, but, yeah, it exists. Yeah, that is actually kind of interesting because there is a risk of. Well, I want to float out to you the best example of this to get you hooked, and then it's like, good news, buddy. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a tough sell. Well, yeah, because then like do you do you show them something bad and then hope they enjoy it hope, and then show them something good? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> that's a tough, tough play because it's like, well, do I do I throw like wing gundam at you and just hope that you can like revel in the in the insanity? The ridiculousness. Yeah. The the whole I'm gonna drop I'm gonna betray you by dropping you out the back of a cargo plane that you have to know like you you sat in this chair you have to know that this is gonna open underneath you it's a cargo plane and then as you fall to the air I'm gonna shoot you <laughs> that is an actual scene that happens in wing it, it is and it's Gun a big betrayal Gundam wing is ridiculous it is bonkers and that was that the, I, I referenced that just because that was my introduction yeah. right I guess kind of I don't know it's just Macross obviously isn't a Gundam. No, it's, Gun but it's, it's not Gundam. But it's, it's Mecha. Yeah, it's Mecha. And that was that was really probably my hook into Mecha, mm -hmm. as opposed to like when Wing hit Toonami. Yeah, that definitely was like, oh yeah. And then I've watched. I'm trying to remember what it was. I I think I've just watched Mobile Suit Gundam and was like, who are these people? What is? <laughs> is Wings not Wings not how Gundam works? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I have to commit. I have to figure this out. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good question of of. Obviously, I'm just trying to think of if there's anything else that's more. I mean, War in the Pocket. Well, I mean, War pretty, in the. Uh, um, you could have watched Stardust Memory, which is 0083, um, which is basically Top Gun with Gundams. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The plot is nowhere near even as close to good as 08 The Mess mm -hmm. Team. But um, the the visuals are very good. And it's about as close to realistic as you're going to get. But mm -hmm. a lot of it happens in space. And. Gundam space is kind of liquid space. It's, okay. it's a little Star Warsy. It's a little yeah. Star Warsy, like it, you know, because basically Mobile Suit Gundam came out after Star Wars came out, mm -hmm. and it definitely pulled a lot of those kind of tropes yeah. with it. And they get a little bit more um, full three um, D space later on in the in some of the shows, mm -hmm. but um, for the most part, it's still kind of liquidy, milky gotcha. space. Yeah. 
No, it, it has a lot of, I mean, there's new types are essentially just force users. Just, yeah. Just being honest. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yep. We'll have to come up with something else that we can introduce we, them yeah, to. We can <laughs> we to, to well, get, you know, we're going to do G drug. Gundam. I mean, <laughs> Joel would probably enjoy it. Did it's, you ever watch Dragon Ball Z? I watched Dragon Ball Z abridged. Uh, I mean, that's actually kind of, if you watch the dub for G Gundam, it's kind of the that's same. That's basically <laughs> the same thing, actually. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, G Gundam is pretty close to Dragon Ball Z abridged. It's about as absurdist as you can get. Yeah, it's, it is up there in terms of ridiculous <laughs> why, why i don't understand it he could cut the tree down with this rusty sword why can't i i'm gonna stand here until i can <laughs> actual moment that happens in g gundam yeah yeah anyways so we'll have to uh continue our trials our, and tribulations and to get getting um joel to watch more gundam yeah and then, then we have to buy him a model like, yeah now you can, build. <laughs> now you can like, come to build days with us yeah it's like the first one's free. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> that is, I have done that a lot to a lot of people where I just give them Gundam models. Yep. And I'm like, you can come build it with me with all of my other friends. Yeah. All of my other nerds. <laughs> all righty. Well, I think on that note, that is definitely all the time we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.